as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. the show ladies and gents we got two invaluable independent filmmakers here on the show once again we got director bobby easley hello hello editor and cinematographer james brinton how you doing how are you i'm great so yes we're going to be talking about the hp lovecraft inspired witch house which just released later this year and we're going to do a fun just laid back q a one former filmmaker to two current filmmakers. We're just going to circle around here casually. So, uh, Bobby, uh, what made you want to put your foot in the door and just say, you know, I can do a better movie than what everyone, what else I'm seeing? <laughs> uh, just talking about filmmaking in general, what, what made me just want to become a director? Oh, totally. Yeah, what made you just say, hey, you know, I'm going to stop looking at the TV and I'm actually going to organize a set, <laughs> you know, figure out some days. Well, I've... I've always loved the films ever since I was a kid, you know? Um, but I feel being from Indiana, we're kind of, we're stuck out in the middle of the, you know, the country and we're not near, you know, Los Angeles or New York. We don't have aspects to the talent, the locations that you see. And <clears throat> so you have to tend to be more proactive here. Mm -hmm. And I say that because there's not the big amount of projects just falling in your lap. And I, I got tired of just being an actor and sitting around waiting for horror films that were never coming. Mm -hmm. So grab a camera, write a story, and I acted in my own horror film, and that's how I kind of got my feet wet. Stellar. Yeah, got to make it. <laughs> and you have, of course, done a lot of supporting roles in a bunch of movies I've seen, including Reprisal and The Trial of the Chicago 7. So what was it like being a featured extra? <laughs> Oh, well, um, I started off being background and now I'm getting some supportive roles, but I feel like I didn't go to film school. And so I'm always on the lookout for ways to bridge that gap by on the job okay. training, as you say. Well, you could have fooled me. And I thought this was pretty professional. Well, well, you know, I, you know, there's some people that can learn on the job more than if you were a student. JD has the technical aspect that we totally, totally need. And he is an educated guy from the Art Institute, Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Institute of Art. And sure. I went to the Marines. So my, my area of expertise is just the drive and the whole 
cheerleader squad leader type rallying the troops kind of guy hey mil but being militant does count for a lot <laughs> it helps you know not everybody responds to it but it no. just kind of keeps you <laughs> focused and you know okay per perfect um so yeah uh jd how did you decide that it was just time to just uh, make something that you were conceiving in your head well, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, I did, like Bobby said, I, <clears throat> I went to the Art Institute out in Philadelphia, and I've done, I've always, obviously, like most of us that get into this, you always, you know, you grew up watching movies. And I, you know, since, since middle school, since I could get my hands on a, you know, uh, VCR and a camera, you know, my buddies and I were running around the backyard shooting stuff. And to be honest, like Bobby said, living in Indiana, I never really even imagined that, oh, well, this is a, a possible career path. So it wasn't until later in life that I decided to go to school and, and you know, just doing some broadcast stuff. And I've always wanted to do like a film. But to be honest, I need somebody like Bobby, who is the 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 leader and who moves things along because you know i've been saying that i'm going to produce uh you know write you know write my own script shoot my own movie for the last 20 years and i just haven't done it i've done you know handful of shorts and and you know creative stuff like that but nothing that is is my own feature length you know uh story and bobby brought me in and that's kind of you know him and I, you know, met and started talking about, you know, things we had in common. And he really just kind of, he, he, he came to me and, and, and asked if I'd be interested. And, and I was like, this is going to be my chance. You know, I, either you take it or you don't. And I got to, you know, stop, stop whining about, you know, never being able to accomplish it and just mm -hmm. go do it and just go do it. Oh, totally. Um, so, you're from the short film scene too. I wasted so much time on those. Did you have a good experience on short films or was it kind of just the typical hit and miss, learn as you go? Uh, most of the stuff I did, we, you know, it was, it was planned out, you know, one or two actors and it was just for my own entertainment, to be honest. I mean, we did okay. a couple that were contests that we entered in contests um, and stuff like that. But I was never looking, uh, when I started shooting them, you know, the internet was, you know, somewhat in its infancy. Gotcha. Yeah. And so it was, you know, we, we didn't have avenues to go, hey, I mean, I knew, I knew guys who had websites and had posted videos and posted their short films and stuff, but it wasn't in my wheelhouse. And I was, you know, I was just focused on trying to have a good time and, and hanging out with my buddies. And, you know, that was, that was kind of where I was at because I didn't think, I, you know, in all honesty, I was like, I, I, there's no way to do this. You know, the, I, I just didn't believe there was, I, I, you know, how do you get people when you don't have a budget of, you know, a million dollars, how do you get this crew here? And how do you get this crew here? And how do you get a visual effects supervisor? How do you get a script written? You know, how do you get people to show up? And that was my mindset. And right. And then the more I would, you know, I'd watch some, you know, documentaries and stuff on, you know, filmmakers and, and you know, obviously you're Robert Rodriguez and, and then you hear some stuff about Spielberg is when he was a kid and, you know, 
obviously it's a much different place now, but it's, it's uh, a much different world now, I guess you can, anybody can have something out there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this, you know, Bobby coming along just kind of put that fire under me and, and he got me to, got me to join on. And, you know, we've just been on this ride ever since. Stellar. Um, uh, Cameron. Yes, sir. You have got to see JD's uh, short that he shot when he worked at Lowe's Theaters. <laughs> uh, when he won the contest for, oh, oh my God, it, I love it. It's how the right way to go see the movies and the wrong way to go see the movies. And he's got <laughs> these disastrous script. It is freaking awesome. <laughs> I, I love I it. Did, I, I, I will. I, I think, you know, I worked at a movie theater for a long time. I, you know, started out, you know, shoveling popcorn and tearing tickets and then management and projection and, and stuff. And we did, we ended up having, we, uh, uh, the company had a, a, a contest and you could submit your video and, and I won, we won one and, and, and got placed in a second one. And then I, I think I, uh, I think the one that Bobby's talking about, actually, it, it ended up ticking somebody off and they, uh, <laughs> they rather, they'd rather not present that to the, to the rest of, uh, the theater chain but anyways it was a lot of fun to do and you know it was uh you know <laughs> I, my first one we did we actually won back in the day i won a, a state-of-the-art high eight sony camera stellar so, yeah <laughs> not everyone can afford panasonic so go with sony now that's great to hear because i i had a very strict crappy college where i was studying film and everyone was just getting just basically you had to alert ahead of time where you were going to check stuff out. And I was just like, screw that. You know, you guys are f- taking way too long in the technical stuff. You got to make sure the story's good and the actors show up and you got something, you know, and learn, you know, as you go. <laughs> That's with the gaffer. But yeah, I, I totally went for a, a Sony camcorder. I just went for that a lot and I got a lot of decent film. But <laughs> no, that was the yep. 2010s compared to where you're talking about early, late 90s, early 20. 20- 2000s late 90s yeah when did you go to school cameron uh ut uh in texas it wasn't very good (laughs) that's cool but like when yeah well basically i was class of 2015 and i had to learn basic long story short i had too many snobs like everyone was just focused so much on i want to be like christopher nolan and everything it's like well that's not going to happen. You know, <laughs> you don't, you don't have a budget and everything. And they were just very anti like independent films, unless it was like on the Sundance thing. And I was like, you guys, you know, this isn't a popularity contest, you know, and Wow. you got to actually, and they, they provided, they did away with the business department just because they didn't like the guy. I'm like, well, this is part of this. If you're going to be an independent filmmaker, you got to know how to f- pay for everybody instead of just, Oh, I'll feed you. You know, it only works the first three times. So it was very unhelpful. It was not a college I recommend unless you want to become an engineer. (laughs) But that's very interesting to hear your insight on that because that's some of the drawbacks I've heard of guys that had to go to film school. You have to work with other filmmakers on their projects where for me, I just had to concentrate on my own. And Well, it's you learn a lot from working with other people, but the main issue was just the professors were just not organized and 
they kind of didn't really have any room to be talking because it's like one of them just worked at the local PBS and the other, you know, again, he just liked to talk about teaching cartoons. So it's just like, so, and you'll, you'll love this. They, they kept saying, don't make anything that features zombies or lightsabers because you can't relate to that in real life. Just really just bad shit, just illogical <laughs> remarks. Wow. Like, don't make it be involve Hitman because, oh, Tarantino's questionable. I'm like, well, maybe to you. <laughs> don't speak for everybody, dude. Talk about buzzkill there. They were I'd like absolutely. to be able to make what I want to make, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so by the time you make these movies that you're trying to make go from just a student film to an actual potential, you know, festival entry, by that time you're pretty much done with it because you're like, it's not my vision. <laughs> it's too much compromising and so half the story still doesn't make complete sense because it's a short and but I needed those five extra minutes. <laughs> wow. <sighs> so, no, that's, but that's cool that you guys kind of just did a rough and tumble and then uh, essentially just decided, Hey, I'm going to keep doing this on the side outside my, you know, uh, now, uh, so, uh, Bobby, you, you did this already, uh, having, you know, uh, left the Marines and did you have to do this in addition to not an already existing day job? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, uh, own a tattoo studio and so I'm fortunate enough to be able to, take some of my monies and put it into back my own films and so I, I did that for the first six seven films backed them myself you know and now I don't have to so much anymore you know there's a, a point to it but you know you got to have a day job or <laughs> something bringing the money in totally uh how about you uh Mr. Brinton yeah yeah I mean you know I ended up getting in to a lot of broadcast and corporate video and web video. And that's because I, I, you know, because I didn't have the film, you know, you know, I didn't really want to go to Chicago. And like Bobby said, we're not close to New York and we're not close to, to LA. And, you know, I made the mistake of coming back from the East coast and, <laughs> and uh, ended up, you know, being as far away practically from uh, any type of quote unquote Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. And that, so I just, I, I focused on that because it was a career that I knew I could make money at and support a family. And I'm still doing stuff that's, you know, you know, it's not, it's not a movie, but it's creative. I get to meet a lot of different people. I work with a lot of guys, you know, we all have the same interests and, and that's what kind of keeps me going. I mean, you know, sure the corporate stuff gets, gets to be a drag because, you know, there's only so many safety videos and talking heads that you can mm-hmm. shoot. But, but it's, it's, uh, it's kind of what I decided to do. I mean, I loved, I, I loved working in the movie theater and it was just like, I, I've got to get into something where I'm producing stuff. It was, I didn't re- I never really thought of myself as an artist, but I guess deep down, I like to create stuff and I like people to see it. And, and I just like to get, you know, feedback from people and, 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 you know, hopefully make them, you know, enjoy what they're watching and, so, I mean, that's kind of, you know, it, this was kind of the next best thing I could get to from getting into a, uh, a production studio, which that was originally my plan. You know, my five-year plan was to, you know, hop out of college, go to Vancouver and work on X-Files. Nice. You know, and that was kind of, 
you know, go, I actually had all kinds of information on Lionsgate and you know, where they were located. And I was looking at apartments that were in the neighborhood and all kinds of stuff. And it just, you know, life got in the way and I changed my direction and, you know, but, uh, it's, uh, this has just been something that, you know, it's awesome to be a part of. Yeah, by all means. So essentially by working at the theater, you saw what people were clamoring and going out to see. So then you're just like, yeah, so I'm going to make sure that my, I'm, I can be involved with a movie that gets played there eventually. <laughs> That's the hope, you know, I mean, it, I mean, it would be cool to, you know, to see it when you see it, we had a premiere that Bobby, uh, when we had the premiere set up, that was something that was interesting, was, was really interesting because here it is, you know, we, here's this thing that we shot this, this story that we crafted and put together and I'm actually seeing it on a big screen. And, you know, it, it was just kind of a, uh, it was a little surreal, you know, uh, but, uh, but it was a lot of fun. For sure. You know, JD, my brother, uh, pretty successful guy, you know, he has his, his philosophies on life and work and stuff. And he was talking about a lot of people have to do the need to's all day long. That's they need to work at this one job. And then there's people that get to do some of their want to's. And this way we have a nice balance of some of the need to's like working our day jobs, but then we get to do what we want to do. And that's why Witch House is really special to us. Oh, totally. And it seems like too many people like to live in fear and, or just essentially just pretty much live a soulless existence, like just go to work, go to work and then come home, you know, and, you know, feed kids and everything. It's like, well, you still got to make time for you. Otherwise you will just collapse, you know, <laughs> you will just you wake up and you'll be an old man and be like, what did I really, you know, did I really have a full life of enriched, you know, using my imagination. And I think it keeps us young because JD and I literally talk on the phone like every day or Facebook message about something from our childhood, whether it's yeah. a toy, a movie, <laughs> Well, and I needed, I, I, I told Bobby before, I wish that him and I would have crossed paths earlier on because mm -hmm. I, I would have, he would have been the, you know, the, the, the push that I needed early on to have done more than just one feature length film. I would have been, who knows, him and I could have, this could have been our fourth or fifth outing together at this point. Um, totally. You know, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I think we're a really good balance um, because I, um, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, he, if I, if I'm, I'm not ready to go, he's, he's able to push me through and you know, that's what I, and that's kind of what I need. And then I'm able to kind of rein him in when mm -hmm. his, you know, Bobby will tell you, you know, he, he'll, he's excitable and he's ready to go, you know, and that's, that's, you know, when we're on the set, it's, it's, let's go, let's get this shot and moving on. And, and him and I work, I thought we worked really well together you know, compromising and, and, and figuring out, Oh, Hey, me go listen to him and going, Oh, this is what you want. And showing him him going, yes, that's exactly it. And, you know, I think that's what's, you know, was, uh, was the fun part. I mean, cause let's face it, you know, every, as, as much fun as it is, it's also whether you like it or not, it's a job. I mean, it is fun, but it's a job. And sooner or later you're going to go, Oh, you know, this is, this is a, you know, this day is going into hour 13, 
mm-hmm. just wanting to pull your hair out. And, <laughs> and, and you know, everybody's dragging and, and it's just one of those things. So it is, it is, it can be a job. And that's where, you know, if you have, you know, people that are able to rally the troops, it helps. Oh, totally. And unfortunately, you are going to get a few guys who clown around and they don't know how to kind of, you know, be funny and then, you know, get, you know, focus, you know, when it's time to come back to, uh, you know, keeping the project on schedule. But yeah, live and learn. Um, so I'm going to ask you uh, just some of the, how you got some of the actors. Very beautiful cast, by the way. Uh, I'm familiar with Andrea Collins through <laughs> multiple avenues, believe it or not. Uh, friend of our podcast, uh, Sean Malloy, actually had uh, the director of her movie uh, Bad Apples on an episode of his podcast, Once Upon a Time. I'm friends with Rebecca Reinhardt, who, you know, was worked with Andrea on the Embalmers uh, film. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, She's also worked on a bunch of stuff with indie horror filmmaker uh, Jim O'Rear, who's best friends with Robert Lasardo, who you might know as the tattooed guy from CSI Miami and Nip Tuck. I met him at a convention. Yes, well. I know Jim, and I I would love to work with Robert one day. I've, I've met Jim and um, Daniel, who was in, uh, he was in the Swamp Thing too. He was the kid in it. Oh, and, okay. <laughs> Daniel, yeah, they they all work on films together. Uh, Plus, yeah, he could probably like tell you. Really he could also tell you some hysterical stories about working with Jim Wynorski. <laughs> but Andrea, yes, uh, she is uh, awesome. Oh, totally. And uh, so, Julianne Prescott, uh, I've seen her listen to a few other things, and it's like, oh yeah, that's right, that's coming out. Um, uh, and uh, I haven't heard of Portia Chayalin, I think is how you pronounce it. Her name's it. Michelle Morris, by the way. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she has two, she has an alias uh, that she goes uh, by, which sneaky. is kind of like, yeah. But <clears throat> on IMDb, she's Portia, and we, you know, in our film, she's listed as Michelle Morris, but yeah. <laughs> um, so I we see. got these actresses uh, from basically we all go to the Days of the Dead convention. Uh, mm. I'm sure you've heard of that before. Yes. And Julie, uh, her husband at the time, ran, you know, he owns the convention. So there are so many celebs and actors running around and these girls are just taking full advantage of it, you know. Being, they they've worked in a ton of stuff and Ask me in your them. movie <laughs> yeah and I've always I've been I've always been in love with Andy since I met her she's adorable and she's just she's from Tennessee and just a ray of sunshine she really brings like fun to the set and then as much as Julian heard is kind of clown around as soon as you yell cut oh my god you don't even have to ask them to redo stuff sometimes they're so good what do you think JD yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they, uh, it was funny to see how, cause I, you know, I didn't know how this was going to be being, you know, a bunch of, you know, people that I didn't know, obviously, but yeah, I, you know, watching them, you know, we're, we're sitting here like doing a little bit of a table read or something over here and, and while we're at the, the Hannah house and they're goofing off and everybody's having a, you know, a good laugh. And then 
as soon as we're ready to roll, it was like, bam, everybody come up to the, the attic and we would, we'd get set and start going. That's and, wonderful. I mean, and, and to think that, you know, I mean, you know, we had these shots where, where Andy was, you know, she sat down there all afternoon and put that makeup on. And then mm-hmm. she would have oh. to hang, she would have to hang around and wait for us to get to her shot. You know, I mean, you hear about that all the time, whether it be a, a indie movie or a Hollywood movie. And, you know, but that, that was the case. You know, she'd sit down there and she'd get all the makeup on. And then we were like, all right, hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. And she was so gracious. She could have been a lot tougher than she I mean, she, she literally sat there and said, guys, come on now. They're kind of burning my eyes. And we said, <laughs> you know, she would get into makeup, you know, what, two, three, four in the afternoon. They're starting on her. And midnight, 1.30, we're looking at getting her on camera. Yeah, it was and kinda... she did it without complaining or griping and would drive straight home after that and go oh. to work. Yeah, I like, don't know how she did it. Well, she's probably programmed whoever. She probably had a professional acting teacher as opposed to just some, you know, out-of-work guy who, you know. Yeah, her and Julie, yeah, I love them. And Michelle, God love her too, because she is another one that can turn the crying on and off, the emotions that, you know, once she gets it all together, you very rarely does she flub a line. Man, we were so lucky with that, JD, that all of them really knew their scripts and were so involved because they've been in different levels of production. So they kind of have a wide understanding of it. And that really helped them and us when they're maybe coming up with alternate ideas for a scene or something that these girls know what they're talking about. Um, As opposed to you got to remind them, hey, guys, you know, <laughs> got got to keep this on track. And it's like, no, you don't have to babysit them. And, you know, you just have to tell them what you want in the take and you're ready to go. Yeah. And they plus were really we had to, Plus yeah, we had to hurry up and work with them because they're like, hey, I'm needed on set for this film and that film when I'm done with you guys. So we're like, oh, shoot, let's get so there it There you go. <laughs> they, they, they knew they were wanted everywhere. So then they're just like, hey, we, they do take this seriously. And they know their lines the days before as opposed to, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, who was your favorite out of the, those three? What would you say? Oh, I don't know. I don't know oh, if I'd really I – it's a hard one to, to, to do. I mean, we, we had fun with all of them. And, and I, unfortunately, you know – there were a couple days where, you know, um, you know, Bobby also uh, um, has, you know, also he's directed and he shot some of his own movies as well. And there were a couple days that my job actually did get in the way. Mm-hmm. So he would take over. So I, I was unfortunate that I missed a couple shots, a couple jo- uh, of uh, scenes with Andy, but we did, but she was great. We, when we did the, you know, we've got the, uh, you know, the, uh, the witch scene where she's in the uh, original clothing and uh, doing those shots. That was, that was a lot of fun. And, and uh, um, you know, we spent most of the time with Michelle and we had a blast with her. She was able to, to, to really get along with everybody. And, and Julie was, I, I, she was like this, she was sweet. And I just, I liked working with Julie too. Um, I just, I just really can't pick. I mean, I know that we would all kind of sit around and chit chat at the end of the night you know, even if we were all exhausted, you know, but what, I mean, you know, how do you, how do you pick somebody? I mean, we didn't have anybody who was a real pain in the butt. I mean, That's ob- wonderful. obviously, obviously we're all guilty 
of getting on each other's nerves. I mean, when you're doing 12 and, and 15 hour days, sooner or later, yeah, somebody's going to go, look, I'm done. You know <laughs> what I mean? Whether it's the actors, whether it's me, uh, you know, I, I'll be the first to say there were a couple of days where I, you know, our, uh, you know, production manager had to kind of egg me along to listen, we're almost there. <laughs> There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, JD, we uh, will get to a state of like delirious, like laughter because it's so late that we really can't believe that we're here. And I remember one day we uh, we had a manwich for damn near lunch, dinner, and eating it all day. And we're so delirious. I'm acting like Martin Landau, who's dressed up as Bela Lugosi in the Ed Wood movie and using the witch's cape and following JD and using this silly accent. JD, please, no more man witch. And just <laughs> the, the stupid stuff that we would do to each other, like just to stay awake and alert to shoot the film. <laughs> you develop your own kind of running gags. <laughs> Well, you know, it sucks because, you know, it's okay in the fall and winter because it gets dark so early. So you kind of can get home by midnight. One, But when it's, you're in the middle of July, we're waiting. We, we have so much glass in that house. There's no way we could black stuff out. We were running into that all the time where we can't start shooting until 10 o'clock. Mm. Remember that, JD? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bummer. So, yeah, we shot like in every season. Uh, we, we lucked out with that house. And, and they were, the, the uh, caretaker was gracious enough to let us keep coming back. And that was... Uh, Free property. That's great. Yeah, that, that was, uh, we completely lucked out. And we were there uh, every season. And, you know, you get in that attic in the summertime and we were all dying. You know, and then you, the, the other extreme was here we are standing out in November and we're making Michelle run across the field in barefoot. And oh, yeah. so I, <laughs> she is a, she's a trooper just for the fact of putting up with everything Bobby had her do. Stone. Her first night on her first night on <laughs> set, she had to emerge from a lake, like head mm -hmm. all the way underneath it, wearing black contacts and emerge from it and be very theatrical. And it was September uh swampy muddy bottom oh. uh, it was and then we ended up cutting the scene from the film <laughs> yeah it, and it's it's literally it was <laughs> our favorite things that we shot because it looked she did such an awesome job but but it just turned out to be uh a different you know, it just the story kind of went a different direction which was unfortunate but well live and learn okay so I'd like to ask you, what were your main inspirations for the film in general besides H.P. Lovecraft? I really love a lot of the 1970s and 80s giallo Italian films mm. like House by the Cemetery, Suspiria. Um, you know, I'm loving that stuff. Uh, Tenebrae. It's just the they're odd films. They always stick like Seven Doors of Death. Yeah, it's just there's, beyond. The, from beyond all this stuff, um, they're really just, I don't know, like, it's hard to explain, you know, it's when you like something so much, what is it about it? It's the cl intense close-ups on the gore shots, just the, 
the creepy. Uh, it's not so easily digestible. Uh, right. Like Friday the 13th, you know, a van full of girls getting knocked off one by one by someone with a mask. These films are, you know, there's a dog that just is like eating some meat by a church and it has a meaning, but what does it mean? You know, <laughs> kind of an example, you know? Uh, yeah, I could so. definitely see some Lucio Falsi influence here in this movie. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned From Beyond, where you were uh, already kind of a fan of H.P. Lovecraft's uh, literature, or were you just mainly just seeing movies that were inspired by that kind of gothic-y and Tuthalo kind of material? Well, you know, my dad was a is a big hammer guy, hammer horror oh, guy. Okay. So, and I wasn't really into it because I'm a kid of the late 70s, early 80s. So I was wanting to see The Thing and all this alien, all the newer stuff. But he was loving that. And I think that um, with the 70s and 80s Italian stuff was I got a hold of that through friends and, you know, them having obscure VHS tapes. Plus, we were renting anything we could get our hands on at the video store. <laughs> that made it easy to do. But Lovecraft, I only knew about him from, you know, Iron Maiden and Metallica using this lyrics. I didn't really know anything about him or his stories to be honest i've heard of cthulhu and but then brian usna uh had uh mentioned to me to go through some of his public domain you know his free works and look for some source material about your witch movie and see if there's something that will fit you know neat how did you meet him for those who don't know who usna is he was a collaborator with Stuart Gordon on movies like from beyond reanimator and the dentist films so no that's cool that you got to meet him uh where did that come about well um we were um on our festival run for the film belly timber and this is back in 2018 march then there's a salt city horror fest in syracuse new york and david mcnaughton from American Werewolf. They had a couple of celebrities there. We were there with John Dugan because he was in our film. John Dugan's from Texas Chainsaw. And yeah. Brian, Brian Usna had a booth there and was just kind of a, he was signing autographs. And I walked over and there was a huge poster that, you know, his, his film Reanimator was being shown there. And he, I was getting all these directors to sign their poster and we we're talking. I was, I just told him about my films and he told me he's starting a sales company and we struck up a friendship there and he told me my next project. He said he wanted to be, uh, to be with me from concept to the, what we're at now. And so I agreed to that and that's kind of how that went. And that's the rest so is wonderful. History. And yeah. not just anyone does that. Usually just like, hey, you know, call my agent, we'll talk. And it's like, he put himself out there and said, no, I, I believe you. <laughs> the guy is like a Mr. Miyagi on us. Really? Uh, JD, I mean, how do you, I mean, how do you explain, explain to him like our relationship, you know? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's really hard to, <laughs> it is hard to, to, to put it into words because, you know, he's there, there are, they, what was what was surprising to me was at no time did, did did Brian or John Penny, you know, these are two guys who have had success with their films, and John Penny's our other uh, consultant we've been working with, and neither one of them ever tried to strong arm Bobby or take over. 
or, but they were very quick to say, this doesn't work. This doesn't work, you know? And it was a, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was interesting because I didn't know how, how it was going to play out. I didn't know if these guys were really going to give us a time a day or if they were, you know, if they were just kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you talk to us when you're done. I didn't, I didn't know personally because, you know, Bobby and, and Brian Usna had been in discussions before I came along right. and, and joined, and joined the team. And, and then luckily for me, you know, Bobby brought me in to the fold and I got to get onto the, you know, the zoom calls and, and the, have the conversations with uh, Brian and, and John. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it's a little surreal just because, um, it, you know, it's, it's something that it, it, uh, like you said, usually it's, you know, oh, you, you, you know, you go talk to my agent and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll discuss money and then we'll, we'll talk. And these guys, you know, believed in Bobby's idea and, and, uh, were there for us. Sweet. Yes, uh, they've actually shopped our films at American Film Market and Cannes. Like these guys have really worked overtime with us on our story and a lot more than the average sales agent would do. And, but the fact that they are who they are, you know, John with uh, Return of the Living Dead and his handful of films, there's a, a lot of knowledge between them. And uh, John Penny, his dad went to college with Ray Bradbury. So God. he, <laughs> We're talking he was growing side. up. <laughs> yes, he was growing up a young guy as Ray Bradbury was over at their house hanging out and stuff. So he knew him. So the wealth of knowledge from these guys is just, we're so lucky to be able to tap into it and have them be on our team. They want to see us make bigger and better pictures. That's why they're really, they're, you know, we're like their babies are trying to develop us into like a <laughs> mean filmmaking machine. For sure. Um, so uh, I'd seen that you had done a lot of assistant camera and cinematography for other shorts and films, most notably Body Snatch, which was by the one of the creators of Final Destination. Uh, so were you able to kind of relay a lot of your visual kind of look and influence to J JD pretty well? Yes. Um, I just, you know how it is, like when a man from China learns this and then a guy from Texas learns this, they both know what they know, but it's just how can we get each other, how can we get on the same page and work together, you know? You do shotless or more a storyboarding? Um, well, you know, I'm used to my, I'm an artist myself, so I have an idea of what I want to do. But when you're trying to describe something to a cinematographer, you know, you've got to have something visual for him to look at because without it, he's got it, he's got his own creative mind put around it. And then if we don't have something solid on paper for us to look at, I mean, JD was really tough on me about having storyboards and I get it now because we, things moved so much easier and fluid when we were able to just refer to some drawings just little sketches but right no, that's great that, because yeah, i worked on so many amateur movies where they would refuse to do even that and that's when i knew this is going to be terrible because no one's speaking the same language we've got gone for like five different crew members you know you know and oh, the yeah. good thing is the good thing is you know uh, bobby would put together storyboards and you know it wasn't like either one of us you know this is it there, there's no leniency with this is the storyboard this is how we're shooting it it was it was actually kind of like what you said it it made us uh, at least see the scene in the same way 
so that when we got to that scene, you know, we may be setting up and, you know, we could kind of sit there and it, I could put, I could frame a shot and then he would be able to see, you know, even though we're trying to go with what the storyboard said, we could kind of go, oh, you know what, this, this isn't going to work here. This is not how we envisioned it. So then we, we were able to, you know, adapt from the storyboards, you know, so we didn't, you know, we, you know, we knew going in what we wanted to accomplish, you know, nine times out of 10, but, but, you know, I mean, and maybe it wasn't even that, you know, maybe, you know, cause let's face it, you know, it, we still went in a few times going, Oh, we're going to change this scene here. And then, you know, so you're, you're kind of uh, flying by the seat of your pants at that moment. And you're like, okay, so if we set this here and I'll light this back here, we'll do that, you know, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, Bobby, you know, got to the point where he, he trusted me so he could go and work with the actors or talk to the actors and say, Hey, we're going to change this. And he would go and work with them. Um, or he'd go out and get drunk. I don't know what, what he was doing. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but, uh, but so I would set up the set and then he would bring the actor or he would come up and then he would, we would go over it and then he would call the actors. And, you know, that's just kind of the way we, uh, Stellar. Um, so you conceived the script with co-scribe uh, Ken Wallace, who worked with you on Belly Timber, which had previously won for Best Actress. Uh, how did he brainstorm the script with you for uh, Witch House? Well, uh, I had written a really rough idea of what of my first treatment of what I wanted to shoot and this crazy story. You know, after going through Lovecraft and his short story, it's very hard to wrap your brain around that and try to, it's not, it's, you know, you know, his work, it's just out there. And Ken, I I started looking at this and I was like, you know, Ken really did good on belly timber and he's a writer. Let's bring him in and see what he can do. Make sense of this because this type of material is so crazy. You almost have to have someone else working on it with you. So people don't think you're crazy. Oh, it's very true. Unless you're pretty much writing for like an anthology st- show, it's pretty easy to have just some snob just kind of come up to you and they just look at you like you're a moron and you're like, well, you've liked all these other kinds of movies, so why are you looking at me like I'm an idiot? You know, <laughs> it's just, it's, people seem to think that, I don't know, it's like, it, it's all like done like after the fact or something. They just, they don't seem to realize you have to actually be a good reader and a writer, you know, to, uh, Ken, to go from script his, to screen. Ken's strength is when we go home and JD's thinking about shots, I'm just thinking about money or whatever else. Ken is laying in bed thinking about the script. He is reworking things, developing subplots. The next morning you call him and he's like, so check this out. Did you check your text? I'm like, no. He's like, he will leave half of a novel for you about how the <laughs> film go this way. And he really, uh, you know, really great to have right there because he's referring to the script, every page, everything, making sure we're not forgetting stuff and just very thorough with it. And then he just wraps his brain around it in a way that we can't. And so that's his, his strength and our advantage for that. Stellar. How did you conceive your production company being Horror Wasteland Pictures International? <laughs> it's pretty badass. Uh, thanks. Uh, people, some of my friends have said that's long as hell. Uh, but I don't know. I like 
the idea kind of of a universe where all this stuff happens like how marvel has their universe and so it's like a horror wasteland this place where all these different stories are universe like a twilight zone of sorts you answered one of my questions i was tempted to improvise there Uh, are you actually thinking of kind of when you do another movie kind of having a little easter egg saying indicating that there might be a character that's returning from one of your earlier projects (laughs) oh i would love to do stuff like that i mean I like seeing, I like reading about uh, films that have done that in the past and looking at it and, you know, it just kind of adds a little mystique to it. Mm-hmm. Is it or is it not part of one reality or the next? <laughs> and you mentioned Seven yeah. Years of Death and everyone still debates, are they all the same universe or are they just the- thematically similar? You know, <laughs> Even Lucio Fulce can't tell you, he's just having too much fun you know yeah and those films are so artsy they're so artsy and well shot you know and just dramatic looking that sometimes you just get lost in it and you're looking at the visuals and then Mm -hmm. oh my god you know have you recently purchased the blu-ray trilogy pack (laughs) oh no 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 not yet it looks really good yeah i think it's region free too so (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, so I was really just, uh, I I got a Hellraiser kind of vibe from the voiceover you introduced the film with, and the credits kind of reminded me a bit of Seven. Did you have any other kind of specific movies that just kind of conjured up when you were just, uh, in post? Well, um, there's a couple nods. Um, JD, uh, suggested that we run towards the house you know like a kind of a an ode to evil dead you know and speed it up and make it so when you'll see that in the film uh and it fits really well um we like uh i'm a major alien fan so whenever i think of things that scare me and it's dark slimy and what you know creatures and I just love Giger's designs, and <clears throat> I think uh, just kind of Brian and John are kind of an older generation to where they're looking at some of the films like Devil's Reign uh, and oh, some sweet. of those. Yeah, they were getting those type of vibes from the film. And fun fact, in a in a strange way, <clears throat> JD, we named our character Alice, and this film is so like. <laughs> it feels like she's going down a, a spiraling hole into madness, you know, and then jumps out of it. And then just for a second and then, Oh my God, back into it. And it, it kind of has that feel. By all means. Um, were you even inspired by more kind of cultish kind of infamous kind of movies where you're like, Hey, it's got a cool concept, even though it's kind of known for being so bad, it's a good movie. And it's like, what would I do if I took part of that idea? And, but you know, made it good because obviously i'm here to do a great job (laughs) Uh, sure i mean i feel like all of those movies from the 80s that we love that we grew up with all have excellent payoff scenes you know like johnny depp getting sucked out of a hole in a a bed you know uh freddy krueger's kind of corny in my in my mind you know i don't want to say that to offend any of the fans out there but he was just a wise cracking guy he's kind of part comedian part boogeyman 
Hmm. And so I wanted something more, more serious on that end of things. And I think I like taking some of my favorite, you know, what do you think, JD? Yeah. You know, I'm definitely, it's kind of funny, you know, when Bobby talked to me about the, about the look and feel of the script, you know, it, he, he mentioned the Italian horror films and, and, and whatnot. And like, I am just, I am a, uh, you know, I'm a kid of the eighties. And so most of my stuff was anything I could find on the video shelf that had a foil cover. I was going to rent, you know, because I liked that, that the cheese factor and it usually had a lot of blood and guts. Right. Um, and, and, and just kind of the typical, you know, horror film. And, and so I didn't know a lot about the, the Italian scene. I had seen Suspiria and, and that was the one that, you know, jumped into my head. And I knew that that's kind of, you know, with that, I knew that was kind of the look he was going for. And I'd seen obviously some documentaries and things about it, uh, about, you know, uh, Italian cinema and, and, and stuff. So I kind of had that going for me. Um, but, but for the most part, you know, I'm, you know, that, like he said, I, you know, I, I'm an Evil Dead fan. I thought, you know, I thought it'd be kind of fun to try to, you know, throw that in there. And, you know, I just wanted to make sure that we, you know, gave the audience uh, a fun ride. You know, I, 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 that's just kind of what I was looking for. I didn't want to, I wasn't, you know, for me, like I, I'm, I'm just a DP, you know, um, you know, and I was, so I was kind of working with Bobby's vision and, and that's, you know, anything that was, uh, you know, I'm trying to think what's the best way to put it. You know, um, I would try to brought get on his, yeah, you know, I was going to say, what, what, you know, I'm trying to get what's in his head out for everybody to see. And I think with well, you know, well, I'm trying to figure out what was in H.P. Lovecraft's. Yes, head. well, and that's and, and that goes in with all the other movies. That, you know, I don't think anyone kind of, knows, but we got an well, idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's just it. I mean, I can tell you, you know, multiple times, Bobby and Ken, and I would have conversations where I would just say, I, I don't know what is going on. Mm-hmm. You know, by reading, the, you know, by we would just discuss discuss the script. And because of, like you said, the H.P. Lovecraft stuff is so it's 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 cosmic and it's 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 bizarre and and, and kind of twisted and and I, so I had to have you know I had to have uh, Bobby and Ken kind of lead me into the darkness sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> or out of the, or out of the darkness. No, you know, I have to uh, say, us three guys on set were like three teenagers trying to make a film in. The women really helped carry this film. They carried us out of the woods on their back. Uh, Beth Hale, our line producer, really would take our ideas and spit them back at us too. Like to her input, like we really played well off of each other. And with her handling all the logistics day to day to day to day, food, wardrobe, who's on set, who's not, who's late, what scenes have you shot, getting this done, you know, clearing, set dressing, tons of things. She would even later on, well, after we're done shooting, call me up and say, hey, I thought about something. And it's wonderful. It's like, wow. And yes. then this film is a female-driven film. Like, we've got major producer work going on with the heads of departments, uh, 
Aaron Trimble, who did a tremendous job with like the look of this film, because we know we wanted to make witches, but we don't know how to attach the bones to the twine and body paint all these women in the coven and put the, they look like they come right out of the set of Quest for Fire. And <laughs> we basically, yes, we, they really like turkey feathers. Every day she would come to set with something that she made in her garage using a, a cow skull or animal skull bone rattle looking thing and these women really all worked and that was the big key is that they didn't all work well together we weren't getting anywhere and Aaron brought in you know Jocelyn uh who I mean it took a team of these girls to do makeup on witches coven women and then demons and all the other monstrosities that we had going on they were there was just a constant assembly line of stuff going on and uh it's really funny that uh, Shonda Laverty, uh, an actor who has a real strong role in Etta, the old lady in the film, uh, mm -hmm. he is a very uh, a pillar of the film, uh, JD. Uh, he would come in and just, hey guys, everything, and then boom, right into character. And her kills, the her work that she did, special effects, stunt stuff. I mean, what's one of the things, I mean, JD, her uh, her killing. Uh, there's a kill that she does. We're not going to name any names, but right, yeah, and, yeah. She just really dove into it, and we, you know, that was he, Bobby's right. The the women who who worked on the film, you know, just it. For me, I figured if we heard something from one of them, like you know, if there was grumblings that such and such wasn't going to work. We we kind of would kind in my head, I was I was listening because they did you know I mean Beth was always there to kind of you know she you know if she wasn't trying to calm Bobby down she was trying to calm me down you know if we would, or, we or calm down or calm down uh, Scott Longier the caretaker of the house finally <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. finally said look you guys just here's a key and a code just have at it just clean up after you're done he wasn't waiting around for three o'clock every morning gotcha uh what uh really prompted you to make them be part of your team that you had assembled were they kind of you know, did you just know them through some of the actors or other pals at the convention or well i mean this is kind of a two-part thing here i'll let jd talk about the second part but when i work with someone that shows up you know, being an indie filmmaker, we're not paying their bills by them being in our, our films. Mm -hmm. And get the ball rolling, like you said, your first couple films, this is our first major film, and we had to have the uh, backing of not only our executive producer, but a lot of volunteers. And <clears throat> you, you may know this too, Cameron, it's the people that come at you and say, hey, can I be a part of this? And then they don't show up. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you got that dedicated few that really loves what you do and you know i asked lee hale uh a guy on our set that uh, he's done electrical work for us transportation just uh, batteries just any i mean the guy's done a ton of stuff and i asked him man i can't believe you guys are here he says we do because we love you and Sweet. that right there Sweet. is the and, and so jd really is not of the horror community like i am and so he came on set and was just thinking there'll be a couple people showing up but 
you realized it's oh yeah it's you know. it's you know i i i was totally um with other than bobby i was an outsider and and so when i i showed up that first day i didn't know what to think and this community was that that's what it was it was a community of people i could i was shocked at the the people who returned day to day you know and were there just to uh, support us in anything that we needed and that's that that that's kind of for me that's what kept me you know on these long days that's what keeps you sane because you realize oh my gosh everybody's here everybody's in the same boat and we're all still here and you know most of the time we're smiling if we're not choking each other no um uh, but <laughs> but but yeah i just think that you know for me i i'm assuming bobby that you have you know worked with a handful if not all of them once before on one of your other features or had known them and 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 then you knew that if they invited people, hopefully that they would be, you know, trustworthy and reliable. And I think that's what you look for, especially like you said, an independent film, you know, they've got to have fun and they got to be on a, they got to be, um, even if I noticed, even if you're not, if they're not doing something the entire time, as long as they feel like they're needed, they, they want to come back because they want to be a part of that community. And that's what was cool. You know, they they got to like believe in you because, you know, when you tell someone you're making a film and then they're there every night for a week, two weeks, three weeks, months, a year, and it's, they don't have any physical thing to hold in their hand to see where their work's going. They're just pro hoping that you finish it and that they can see it one day and that maybe it gets lucky to go somewhere. But, you know, they got to believe in you. And I think those people that do that, they tend to, I think one of the compliments that I really get a lot when I'm done with a film and I love it. It's so genuine for my friends are like, Bobby, you're getting better. Bobby, this is much better than your last one. That means the world to me because they know I'm, we're going places and. Well, uh, you've got me now. So that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, you know, uh, and I just can't believe, you still talking about believe, some of the people like uh, Toby Cooper and Mindy Jane, that they did not complain one time over the course of two and a half years. Yeah, no. the, com the scoring, the setups, the staging, it all feels so natural, just so well planned out. Um, I'm curious how you even casted the freaky man in the opening vision sequence <laughs> and orchestrated the ritual sequence okay well his name is bill levin uh he's a pretty well-known figure here in indianapolis actually internationally known he is the founder of the first church of cannabis oh wow a, yeah he was uh, comfortable he doing a horror movie <laughs> look him up he's ran for city council he has run for governor uh the guy is just a staple in the community. He knows the prosecutors, all the cops, everybody. They love him. <laughs> uh, he is a he donates stuff. He's big in the community. Loves animals, all that stuff, and loves acting and loves all. He knows all the tattoo artists too. And uh, he used to throw a ball every year at the Vogue Theater for the tattoo artists to come. And sweet, I needed. He has such a unique look that I'm like, Bill, would you please play this crazy preacher in my, you know, 
slasher film and he did and then would you please play a colonel even his voice he smokes a cigar and he did a perfect world war ii colonel and then this he just has that sorcerer mad mathematician look and just the lighting on him and we just rub some uh you know brown uh, grease paint on his teeth and he went right at it and two takes three takes perfect stellar uh do you think he kind of gave you some extra respect on set for people who kind of revered him, you know, followed him? Um, you take another famous name and you put it in your project. Oh, well, well, one thing about Bill is I just, I genuinely love him. He just, him being around his aura, everything. He's the kindest guy that you know, and just puts a smile on your face and he will bend mm -hmm. over backwards. Anytime I've needed anything in my career, he has said, Bobby, you need a warehouse. Hey, Bobby, this guy has a food truck. Hey, Bobby, do you need this? You need a theater to show your film. Do you need Bobby? I'm putting this show on. I want you to enter these. Yes. All like, wow. And so at the drop of a hat, he'll do whatever we ask. And we are so grateful that we have him, uh, in our you know our troop of actors he's definitely that that guy you know john Stop. dugan too texas chainsaw massacre he's been in four of my films i'm about to work on an action uh, martial arts uh, horror film called the ultimate throwdown uh coming up and uh he will be there on set with me he's an awesome guy and see a lot of it's through uh bill philput and days of the dead uh sweet going into it for so many years we start seeing Bill Mosley and Kane Hodder. We, we worked with those guys too. And you start seeing them and it's, you start off as a fan and then now you're on the other side of the curtain. And now they're like, you're eating that shit for lunch. And you're like, yeah, get off me. You know, it's, <laughs> it's really cool to be on that side of the curtain. Very special, you know, and humbling. The rats, we worked with, was it two or three JD? Yes. <laughs> called them was, were their names actually that or was that just sarcasm in the credits you called had, them uh, Lydia and Ash <laughs> and Bowie what was really neat about them is it's messed up what you're trying to do when you're working with a rat because JD is trying to light this setup so he can see the rat and in Hollywood obviously films it involves a lot of light thrown at a nocturnal creature that shies away from light and anytime you would hit that rat with lights, it would bolt away from that. And so we had to find a happy medium and then only get about, what, five, two to five takes before the rat would eat enough and go to sleep. Right. <laughs> it can be done, people. It can be done. Oh, yes. Uh, rats like treats, and you got to give them treats to do what you want them to do. I think the thing that JD and I... I think that sparks us, I think it's fair to say I'm speaking for him too, is we're like, dude, did you ever think that we would ever, when we were kids, work with Roy from Close Encounters or direct Richard Dreyfus? <laughs> did you ever think we'd talk to Chappie Sinclair or direct Louis Gossett Jr. Right. or interview Carrie Hinn from Aliens? And it's, it's like such a like Forrest Gump, like dreams come true type awesome story. By all means, uh, do you have any other future plans for this movie in, in terms of like how you're going to market it? I mean, okay, so let me reword that because that's fucking stupid how I worded that. But uh, what, what's the game plan after the holidays roll around? Do you, do you really have like 
kind of VOD and then limited release, or are you going to do limited and then maybe VOD? JD? Well, we're right now, we're currently working on our electronic press kit, and we are going to have um, uh, domestic distribution, uh, hopefully uh, in the summer of 2022. And then we're just going to try to... Uh, you know, keep keep we're continuing through with their, our uh, international film festival circuit right now. Um, we're up to uh, I think seventeen. Is it seventeen or eighteen that we're up to as far as eighteen selections? 18 selections. Yeah, eighteen selections and seven wins. Um, so it's uh, it's it's been a pretty fun ride, and I think that hopefully after that, you know. Uh, Bobby's talked a little bit about this with me before, but congrats you know, on right. winning the Stockholm City Film Festival Award for, you know, best horror film, Bobby. Yeah, we've, Thanks. yeah, we've got we got a, a handful of those. We just got one from uh, uh, Tokyo, right? Yes, and uh, and Russia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, India, Turkey, Amsterdam, jeez, uh, France. We went Hallucinia. Yeah, so. It's really exciting, Anatolian, and just Turkey, and Amsterdam, Russia, Sweden. It's really interesting to see people from all over the world, different walks of life, different culture, different cinematic, you know, tastes. Very riveting, yeah. To be able to get that many eyes on your project feels great. I know it, it doesn't make money right now, but it really opens us up to the possibility of distribution, you know, internationally and, and across different markets. But uh, if you're listening, Australia, let us in a festival there. We, I love Australian horror and if they're going to be the last ones to exploitation, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, uh, not to be off topic, but I love Australian horror because they're out in the middle of nowhere and it's just like, ah, it's so isolating. Mm hmm. Well, stellar i uh you know keep promoting this movie and i'll definitely keep sharing links to this this was a great screener out of all the ones i've watched this year <laughs> this was great thank, thank you. you thank you you heard it guys they want their dream to become reality so any other indie filmmakers listening in do yourselves a favor and keep pushing so yep. keep an eye open for witch house HP Lovecraft's Witch House. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure all, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin cough, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. 
I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say. Ah. 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 Good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, Peach. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. 
It takes a powerful goddess like Connie jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did be a you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's late, it's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last plot holes a gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy with your friend Stephen At eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast. Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. 
I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, the life of Lydia Zemanoff, daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zemanoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother, Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet, and in the second half, 
after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up review show.